Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And I want to talk about AEW's Road Ranger. You know, uh, the one in Miami, Florida that took place on Wednesday night. Yeah. I heard you. I know it's Saturday. Guys, I am not one of these podcasters that needs to be on five minutes after a show ends. Will I one day? I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I kind of like a couple hours to come down from it or control my venting (laughs) if it's been bad or, you know, just to process it, get my thoughts in order before I start giving you guys my points of view. And even then... I don't care to tell you guys. I think this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've started this episode. First time I went in 26 minutes and realized I had talked about some segments but had not talked about one match. And I thought, Sam, you are ridiculous. And then, you know, that happened. So I can't imagine what I would be like five minutes after a show. You guys know I'll go on tangents now. God only knows what I would be like after a show. Especially a show that I was this excited about. You guys know I'm an AEW mark. I enjoy their product. Uh, One of the reasons I enjoy their product is because... I got into indie wrestling and smaller promotion wrestling before they started AEW. So, some of these cats, I've seen their characters. I've seen them progress through their characters and get them where they're at now. And I like that. I like when I can pick out somebody somewhat young. And follow them as they mature, 
follow them as they go through different promotions and kind of follow their career. I think it makes it more interesting. I really, really do. And I think if you come up through the indie circuit system, and people are going to take that as me smocking WWE. Not. Some of the people that are in AEW, we all obviously know, came from WWE. But, sometimes you have to go back. And I'll take John Moxley, for instance. He was all over the indie circuit. I saw him, you know, on indie promotions before he signed with WWE. Yes, he spent, what, eight years in the WWE? But from listening to him speak on certain podcasts when he first left WWE. And I've heard him speak on Renee's podcast, obviously. Oral sessions. If you guys are not listening to that on a regular basis, boy, you're missing a lot. Um, The things that she talks about with these wrestlers are so interesting doesn't always have to do with wrestling. But even if they're telling a non-wrestling story, it's still interesting and she knows the correct follow-up questions. Especially when it comes to her husband. But I have heard him say, I never forgot where I came from. I never forgot where I learned. I'm just so happy that my grassroots fans that started with me were still there when I came back. And I think a lot of people are like that when they start on the indie circuit. And I know there's at least one of you listening that says, Sam, everybody starts on the indie circuit. Well, guess what? No, they don't. Sometimes WWE or even other promotions have talent searches. In other countries, in this country, WWE's getting ready to have one in Las Vegas before SummerSlam. You guys, go out there and try out if you want to be wrestlers. Um... The Bellas, they tried out for a diva search. Uh, They had had, I want to say like a month of training and two matches not in front of audiences when WWE called them and asked them to come to Florida. They didn't go to any wrestling schools. They weren't on the indie circuit. Braun Strowman, never on the indie circuit, ever. NXT taught him everything he knows, the performance center, the training classes. 
He had never been on the Indy circuit. And that's never really happened before. When you've been on the indie circuit, you learn creative freedom, character freedom, match setup pretty quickly. Whereas, if you're coming up to the training center, you may or may not learn that, and it may be slower, slower process. Now, personally, I'm just going to tell you, I love the concepts that WWE has come up with, with training um, camp kind of, then training on different aspects of wrestling, from promos to certain moves to, you know, getting through matches and how you want to face the hard camera, uh, during your matches and this and that, they work on your entrance, and I love that. And then you progress up to NXT house shows, NXT dark matches, NXT TV, and you have to get good enough in order to get on TakeOver. And so, I love that. Um, basically, AEW is kind of creating that with the Nightmare Factory. And so, I like that idea, but I hope never does it do away with the indie circuit, because I think that also teaches you a lot of things. And one of the things that I think it big time teaches you is how to connect to an audience, how to connect to your fans. And I've been watching a lot of indie shows, and you guys have noticed that because I've been doing episodes on it. And I talked about the Laramie, Wyoming show, and Ricky Morton being there. And I talked about how in the main event, Ricky Morton was in the crowd watching. And when they went to the concession stand to destroy the concession stand, Ricky Martin or Ricky Morton got up out of his seat and went over there like a lot of fans did. When they went back to the ring, Ricky Morton was going towards the ring and then realized, oh, they're getting in the ring. He went back to his seat. But that's how you connect with fans. Here, I am a Ricky Morton fan sitting at home and I'm like, oh my God, he's acting like a fan. He's talking to fans. I mean, as he was walking to the concession stand area, he was talking to people. He was showing them he was normal. I think sometimes wrestlers forget that. Why? Why do I think that? Because I watched AEW's Road Ranger. And I popped like crazy for certain things. One of which was a lot of wrestlers. I didn't notice it. It must have been a slow process. 
I know at the beginning of the pandemic era, AEW was very quick to change their camera direction, their style of filming, the angles they shot at. They had, I felt like, more backstage promos and vignettes and things to continue with storyline because they didn't have anyone to interact with. Whereas, I was at their third or fourth show ever. And Hangman, at that live show, Dynamite, came out and there was no backstage promo. He cut it in the ring to the crowd. And he was talking to a person. But it was like he was telling us privately what he thought, what he meant. And he used the the phrase cowboy shit for I think the first time ever. Might have been the second. But I think it was the first time ever in that show. And he got a response. And he didn't continue on with his promo. He played with the crowd. As they were chanting. And then he picked up on his promo and stuff. And during the pandemic era. I slowly forgot they did that. Now, there were some of them that switched it and act like they were talking to us as friends while we were sitting on the couch. But a lot of wrestlers didn't. They weren't real comfortable with that, I don't think. And they didn't know how much it would mean. At Road Rager... If you actually watched, I don't know, the first 20 minutes maybe, you saw how AEW was before the pandemic. With their entrances, their how they interact with fans, how they talked. And I'm not just talking about the fan that rushed the ring and Jericho uh, popped him while the security guard was getting him out of there. And MJF didn't skip a beat. And we'll talk about that in a minute. He should have been out of practice. It's my thing, but he wasn't. I'm talking about even just Cody's entrance. I didn't realize how scaled down it had gotten during the pandemic. And how big it became on AEW Dynamite Road Ranger. The crowds, the fans, love Cody. They may not always love what he does, but they do. They love Cody. And sometimes during the pandemic, you forgot that. Because sometimes Cody was being Cody. Um, 
But it was so much fun to see them, different wrestlers, even if they were heels, interact with the fans. Um, that's something I missed. Especially about AEW, because they've always been good about going through the crowd, coming through the crowd, uh, wrestling out in the crowd, um, shooting people from a suplex out into the crowd, or, you know, somebody goes over the barrier and somebody jumps from the ring to the barrier to take them out. Um, I talked about in GCW, Wyoming, um, how one of the wrestlers had fans holding chairs for him. And they were doing it. And they couldn't believe how heavy the wrestlers were that were running into those chairs because they wobbled a lot, but they actually were a part of it. That's something they'll never forget. So, since I brought him up, I hadn't planned on talking about this first. Since I went four and one. Yes, that's right. Four and one on my predictions. The night before at Great American Bash, I was undefeated. So, let's just talk about the match that I brought up. Let's talk about the South Beach strap match. It was the first match. It was Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. And daggone it, it was the only match I missed. Pisses me off. But, as I said on the prediction show, If Cody won, I was going to be happy because hopefully it means this is over. Now, I look for him to touch base again with QT probably November, October, November. But it looks like Cody's on two different things now. And I'm happy because... What it became more about was the Nightmare Family versus the Factory. And I didn't want to see that. I don't care even if it was on Dark or Elevation. I still didn't want to see it. I don't like most of the Factory. I like Anthony Agogo. Uh, I don't like most of the Nightmare Family. I don't like Billy Gunn. I... I don't really remember ever liking Billy Gunn. However, I do like the Gun Club is kids. Uh, I've heard them on several podcasts. They seem pretty witty, and I think if they would get away from their dad's gimmick and come up with ones of their own, I think it would be a lot better for them. I recently saw a strap match. Touching all four corners. I believe it was in MLW. I think it was a Richard Richard Holiday uh, Vega match, I think. But I was excited about this match. Having to touch all four corners. Getting to beat your opponent. 
you normally don't see those. That's not a step that a lot of companies think of, I think. I I think they think cage match, um, table ladders and chairs matches. Um, you see the death match overdone a lot, pulling out thumbtacks. I've seen more thumbtacks in 2021 than I think I did from, I don't know, 2016 to 2020. They have been pulling the, the thumbtacks out constantly, every promotion. And I think that's just crazy and a little weird. I kind of wish this match would have went a little longer. And I know there's someone out there groaning saying, my God, it was too long already. I didn't. I enjoyed it. enjoyed the story they told in the ring. But I think that's where the announcers kind of let us down. There are a lot of people that are hit and miss AEW fans. That they really wanted to be AEW fans. They liked the concept and the idea of it. But when NXT went up against them, it was like flip back and forth. Or it was whoever had the better show. And so it wasn't until like a year into it that a lot of people finally got their concept and realized, oh, this is what they're sticking with. I think so many people were flipping because they assumed certain stuff didn't matter. Vignettes in between matches didn't matter. Promos didn't matter. Um... Somebody attacking someone backstage, whether it be in the locker room, the hallway, uh, in a car, in a van. Um, I was shocked at the amount of my friends that claim to be big AEW fans that when I talked about the best friends getting dropped off by Sue in her minivan, they were like, what? I was like, did you not see, this has been a running joke for three weeks now. Have you not seen, and they were like, yeah, I didn't think that mattered. I flipped over to NXT. And I looked at him and I said, why are you flipping? Tape one or the other. Choose to watch one or the other. And then watch the other one right after. You'll be fine. Well, I want to know what everybody's talking about. You don't know what everybody's talking about. Because so many of them would flip during a commercial, get caught up in whatever match, and then forget to flip back until that program had their commercial and then they'd flip back. Well, you missed stuff. And a lot of times people would gripe, 
Well, I don't know that because I don't watch Being the Elite on YouTube. Well, I hate that for you. If you don't want to watch that, that's fine. AEW doesn't care. But for the strong fans or the, I don't want to call them most loyal, but for the fans that get in to that particular wrestling bubble and want to live in it, AEW allows them to do that. Between AEW Dark, AEW Elevation, between AEW Dynamite, being the lead, you've got Ethan Page's video log. You've got Sammy Guevara's video log. You now have Dark Order's video log. You have um, AEW themselves put out content. Until recently, because she got pregnant, Brandy um, had her own show where she had AEW wrestlers come on and cook with her and she would talk to them. I think it was Brandy on the Rocks or something like that because they always made a drink. And so you could get immersed in it. But I think everyone kind of expected. If you're an AEW fan, keep up with Dynamite. If you want to immerse yourself, we'll allow you. We'll give you enough comment content. But otherwise, you need to at least watch Dynamite and keep up with the storylines. And so those flipping channel people weren't. And I think they got kind of the shock. Because I think they didn't put the storyline together that started at the first Double or Nothing with Kenny Omega calling out other wrestlers in other promotions or other companies with Cody making the huge symbolic gesture of smashing Triple H's throne. Then you came to All In and it continued and that was the start of John Moxley, Kenny Omega. And, you know, it kind of dropped off because Kenny Omega was dealing with other contenders and John Moxley got into it with Chris Jericho. But you always saw them come back. And so if you were flipping channels, maybe you didn't get it when they would come back. When one of them would cut a promo or say something and then the other would have to get them back like John Moxley flipping Kenny Omega through that glass table. And so, a lot of casual AEW fans, 
don't realize Kenny Omega John Moxley has never stopped. Once it got started at All In or All Out, sorry. Um, they have never stopped having their storyline. It may not be their main storyline. Like right now, Kenny is the belt collector. And John Moxley is enjoying time with his child. However, he's coming back this Wednesday. And guys, I look for him to go after the Elite, which Kenny is part of, the Bullet Club. And they're going to touch again. They've never said this story is over. Kenny Omega, in John Moxley's mind, has his belt. He stole his property. Have they told other stories? Sure. They're getting ready to tell Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Sure, they're getting ready to tell John Moxley coming back to Eddie Kingston. But that doesn't necessarily mean this secondary storyline stops. And that's what AEW is about. Long-term story planning. Think about it. You know, MJF started out as Cody's friend, switched over to Jericho, buttered him up, became a member of the inner circle, backstabbed him, now uh, created his own group, the Pinnacle, and they're fighting back and forth. How long has that been going on? As a study story? I don't know. As a long-term story build, probably about a year and a half, two years. Because think about it, Chris Jericho had the belt when this started. He had to fight off all the competitors. He lost to John Moxley. He tried to get it back. He got into it with uh, Cody. He got into it, I'm trying to think who else he's wrestled. Um, but I mean, he's gotten into it. And had many programs with a lot of different wrestlers while still messing with a MJF. Their story has been going on for two years. Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, been going on since New Japan. But it's literally been going on in AEW since the first AEW show. So, I don't think Cody and QT Marshall are done. I think they're done for now. Like I said, I think they come back and touch base again probably late October, November. Because as long as QT's a heel and Cody's a babyface, they're, they're going to continue this storyline. And QT Marshall is having so much fun being a heel... I mean, he's being a heel all the time. He's on Twitter being a heel. He's on podcasts being a heel. He's in magazines being a heel. He is loving it. So I don't see him quitting or turning anytime soon. This match was so 
good. Them doing each other's moves. Now, JR made the comment about Cody seeing this from Wahoo McDaniel, but also especially from his dad. And then he later connected it because QT Marshall and Cody had been friends so long that QT learned stuff from Dusty also. And that was exciting to me. To see that story. To see them doing each other's moves. To see Cody breaking out the cutter and Tony Schiavone saying... DDP taught him that. Diamond Dallas Page taught him that move. And I I really thought that they would keep it going longer. Which is why I picked QT Marshall. And I told you on the predictions episode that if they were going to keep this going till Labor Day their next big pay-per-view, then QT had to win. With Cody winning, I think it moves on. Finally. Because, like I said, I'm tired of the Nightmare Family versus the Factory. Um, There's a reason why some of the Factory is not signed to Tier 1 contracts yet. Um, But... The first thing that I was going to talk about until I brought up Cody and QT was the sit-down interview that JR did with Ethan Page and Darby Allen. A lot of people thought that was a throwaway. They just wanted to explain that the match had been moved. And they thought an announcer could just make that announcement and go on. That they didn't need to have this interview. Well, for people like me that have been following Ethan Page and Darby Allen's careers through the indie circuit and through different promotions, um, no, it needed that. It needed them talking back and forth. I needed to see that they still didn't like each other. They've always respected each other. They've always trusted each other about their work, their work ethic, and their safety in the ring. Even though Ethan Page shattered uh, Darby Allen's elbow with a shovel, which they mentioned, but if you go to um, the series The Wrestlers and you watch episode one, you see that. They just happened to be there the night that that happened, and you actually get to see it. Um, I, it used to be also on YouTube. Most of their story, their program that they put together, that was across so many different promotions on the indie circuit that one summer. It ran a little bit, I think, into the fall. It was unreal. You used to be able to watch it on YouTube. And their matches... They were very good. Some of them were borderline great. So it didn't surprise me. Ethan Page shows up in AEW and the first person he wants after 
is Darby Allen. That makes sense. For them not to continue their story that they've been telling now for, gosh, three or four years. They said on Road Rager, Darby Allen had just started wrestling. He was 21 years old. Their program has been going on since then. They don't like each other. But like I said, they respect each other. And they respect each other's work. And I think when Darby came to AEW and Ethan Page was still in Impact Wrestling with the North, I think they were keeping an eye on each other. I enjoyed that set down. It was more than just them saying, oh, the coffin match is not taking place tonight. We're moving it to next week. It's going to be on this Wednesday, Fighter Fest Night 1. And then Ethan Page also gave you why he wanted that stipulation and how he felt that Darby was trying to kill himself. And that he was doing these risky behaviors and risky moves on purpose in order to get in a coffin early. So why not have a coffin match now and him be put in it? And Ethan Page get to nail the coffin shut on him this coming Wednesday. But if you don't know about their backstory line, it's been going on for years, like I said, all over the independent circuit, then maybe this match isn't as interesting because it hasn't had a long build in AEW terms. I'm telling you, though, with this coffin match, I have not a clue what all stops they're going to pull out, but I guarantee you're going to love it. I've seen their stipulation matches before with thumbtacks and sticks and chairs and tables and jumping off lighting rigs and all the, well and Ethan Page hitting Darby Allen when he was in a body bag standing up and shattering his elbow with a shovel um you're not going to want to miss this. And that's why they did that promo. Instead of letting just an announcer announce it. As far as Chris Jericho and MJF facing off. This was to announce the stipulations. He did MJF did this with Cody. If you guys remember back. You know, where Cody had to beat Wardlow in a cage match. He had to take ten lashings with a belt. He, I mean, he had a gauntlet of stipulations that he had to go through. Well, that's, they were, they're repeating this with Chris Jericho. Now... I didn't really get into the stipulations. 
Maybe I would have if he would have announced the names. I'm going to assume he's got to go through all four of the pinnacle. Maybe not. But the stipulation is Jericho must take on mystery opponent one and win and immediately take on mystery opponent two and win and immediately take on mystery opponent three and win and then immediately take on mystery opponent four and then I got a little confused because MJF said something about then he will decide about taking him on for a match. And then later he said, when he was reiterating the stipulation, he said, and after you do that, then you're going to have to wrestle me. So I don't know whether he's going to be taking on five opponents, including MJF, in one night or four. And then they'll save MJF for a special night or a pay-per-view. I wasn't clear on that. I like the stipulation of wrestling for of MJF's choosing back to back to back to back. I just, I kind of wish he would have gave us a hint. I don't want it to be the pinnacle. Because I believe that Jericho can pretty much defeat every member of the Pinnacle. He will have a hard time with Warlow. But Warlow is also very young and doesn't have that KG veteran experience. So I hope it's not the members of the Pinnacle. And then, of course, you had the promo being cut by MJF. When, for some odd reason, 45 minutes into the show, a fan decides they're going to go up on the stage and try to get in the ring. I think you could have got in the ring by jumping, rolling, and then you're in the ring and you would have been standing near MJF or Chris Jericho. However, he used the stage steps to get up on the stage, which allowed a security guard to grab him. There is video of it. It's on YouTube all over the place. Of the security guard grabbing him and then Chris Jericho walks over there and hauls off and gives him a nice good punch. MJF, like I said, was cutting a promo. He does stop, turn around, and kind of watch. And then he immediately continues on with his promo. Anybody else want to come up here and get some? Uh, any, any of you other fat slobs got any idea? I mean, he just boomed. Went right into it. (coughs) Chris Jericho picked up his mic, went right into it. None of that was scripted. That was them being them. 
and it couldn't happen to two better wrestlers that are that their mic work is unbelievable. Now I can name all kinds of wrestlers from all kinds of promotions, including AEW, that would not have handled that situation that way. But those two, yeah, didn't skip a beat. Absolutely just love that. Um, then I kind of want to talk about Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander, versus the ba- Blade and the Bunny. Of course, I got this prediction right. I think there was only one way to go. I don't know where this come from. I know that Allie, the Bunny, sorry, um, has a little bit of a problem with Chris Statlander. I've never really understood why. I don't know what their backstory is. And I know Blade got involved because he's married to the bunny. And Orange Cassidy got involved because Chris Statlander is now part of Best Friends. But I couldn't get into this match. I wanted it to end sooner. Chris Statlander looked better last night live on an indie show than she looked in that match on Wednesday night. We'll talk about that in a different episode. But, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Blade and Orange Cassidy have worked together before. But they really didn't, they didn't even act like they knew each other. Um, I didn't think this was a a great match. This might would have, might, probably was the down side of the whole entire show. We got uh, Tony Schiavone interviewing Kenny Omega. Or Don Callis. Whichever one you want to say. Um, I... do like it when Kenny talks and he's actually focused and he is his character. I don't know if growing the beard or whatever you want to call it the crazy thing that he has on his face um, has helped him get more into being more like the cleaner or not. I enjoyed the end of it though. I enjoyed them saying there was nobody left for Kenny Omega to face. And the Dark Order comes out to tell them um no. And Evil Uno took over. And then, of course, the Good Brothers had to come out. And basically took on Dark Order. Kenny Omega got his shots in. But then you saw Hangman come out. And I like that they stared each other down. 
really wasn't any talk. I don't know that there needed to be. I liked that they did a stare down. I really did. Um, I don't want to see Hangman Page, Kenny Omega. I still, two years later, two and a half years later. Well, I guess it's almost three years later. Um, I don't think Hangman's ready for the belt. I didn't think he was going up against Chris Jericho. I think they made the great choice of giving Chris Jericho the belt for the first time. Um, everybody wants to see Hangman Page overcome Kenny Omega. But him going on the losing streak after being kicked out of the lead or quitting the lead and starting to drink even more. Brody Lee dying. Dark Order trying to recruit him. Him still losing. His program with Matt Hardy sucking. Um, I don't know why anyone all of a sudden thinks that he's great enough to carry and be the face of AEW. Because to me, he's not. Has he fixed anything? I mean, I know he's winning more matches, but look who he's winning them against. Um, I don't know, and I'm being honest, what has he fixed? Did he fix his drinking problem? Um, no. Did he fix his feelings about the elite? Uh, no. Did he fix his communication problems? With the fans and with Dark Order and with anybody else? Mm, no. Has he joined the Dark Order and truly became one of them? No. The Dark Order calls him family. They've got his back. They've told him they've got his back. Heyman Page hasn't reciprocated. Has he made any other friends? No. But see, here's the thing. John Moxley didn't have friends forever. But he was crazy. He did things that were unexpected. He shocked fans. He said things people couldn't believe. And everybody understood why he didn't have any friends. Why doesn't Hangman have friends? He's not doing any of that. I think he's a complex character. But I don't think that they've really uncovered it on Dynamite. Have they did it on being the elite and other... YouTube programs I have? Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason why I can say what I'm saying. But on Dynamite, 
No, he hasn't changed. He's not beating anybody better. Have you seen him take on Lance Archer recently? Has he taken on Wardlow? Jake Hager? Has he taken on, you know, anyone? Has he sought out a mentor in the Big Show or Mark Henry? No. It's just weird. So no, I don't think he can be the face of AEW. And I don't think he should take the belt from Kenny Omega. Who do I think should take the belt from Kenny Omega? You know what? I'm not 100% sure. I don't think that story is ready to be told. I think Kenny Omega has to lose other belts before they even consider him losing the AEW belt. I think they have to tell the story of Kenny Omega's downfall before he can have a comeback. But I think they do have that story to tell. He's got four belts and he needs to lose them all. And as they tell that story, they need to pump Hangman up. Show him with a mentor. Show him with a friend. Show him cutting down on his drinking. Show him getting better. Taking on better competition. Winning. Dominating, I guess. Competition. So that when Kenny is at his lowest, he has one belt left, and it is the AEW belt. And he's saying, this is the one that means the most to me. That Hangman is completely changed. He's our superhero. He's our saving grace. And he's on top of the world, and he lands that last punch to Kenny Omega and takes his belt They can even swerve us a little bit and have Hangman know Kenny Omega is at his lowest point. He's at rock bottom and he reaches out a hand to help him and tells Kenny, I've been here before. And you could get them back together. But for Kenny... And all of the fans to be talking that Hangman may defeat him two weeks from now or tomorrow, whenever, you know. No. No, that story is not ready to be told. Me, personally, if you ask me who do I want to take that belt from Kenny Omega. I I think I'll probably have three people. Because three people just popped into my head. Of course, I want John Moxley to take it from him. I would love to see Moxley have a comeback story 
and become the heel that he wants to be, but that the fans are not going to let him be. He's the first um, wrestling character, I think, that I have seen since Stone Cold Steve Austin that truly tries to be a heel, and the fans will not let him. Second, I think I want to see Eddie Kingston beat him. I think that would be awesome. Uh, I told you I didn't want them to win the belts in the prediction episode. And I didn't. They're not with their normal partners. And I'm glad they didn't. But I would like to see Eddie Kingston get that particular belt, the AEW Championship, around his waist. For all the work that he has done. And I'm not talking years of work. I'm talking all the work he has done with different characters. Building them, molding them, creating them. The matches he's put on. And I know some of you haven't seen them. Go to YouTube, go to the internet or whatever. And just see different things that he's done. That's what I think deserves the belt. I don't care if you've been wrestling 40 years. If it's 40 years of garbage, you don't deserve the belt. But if you've been wrestling two years of great work, give them the belt. But the third dark horse that immediately popped in my mind right after John Moxley, I want to see the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, Get the ultimate elite prize, Kenny Omega, and the AEW Championship. I would love it. Um, Can that story be told in two months? No. He's going to have to go through the elite. He's going to have to work to get to Kenny Omega. And if that's the story they're planning on telling, because we saw on Wednesday night uh, Frankie Kazarian showing up, them calling him the elite hunter, he's shown up probably, what, the last three or four weeks? I, if that's the story they're telling, I'm excited. I want to see it. I want to see what they do with it. Because there's so many different roads and paths. They can go to get to that ultimate Kazarian uh, holding that belt moment. I I do. I think that would be absolutely awesome. Now, the inner circle versus the pinnacle. Um... Not sure what to say about it. On the prediction show, I asked, where is Sean Spears? Where is Sammy Guevara? Where will they be come match time? Well, they answered that question kind of up front. They showed a promo with Sean Spears, and he was there. 
so they were foreshadowing he's coming out, you know. I thought this was an okay match. I feel like FTR has lost their edge. I don't know that I like them in the pinnacle. I like when Tolly runs them and Tolly is teaching them. And they haven't been doing that with the pinnacle. Because Tolly can't be the leader. It has to be MJF. And I really can't see what I know about FTR and each man there. Them taking any orders from MJF. That blows my mind. I don't think that's reality based. But I think they've lost a little bit of an edge. A little bit of a step. But I think the same thing about Santana and Ortiz. I think they have not been allowed to be LAX. I don't think they have truly been LAX in a year. Maybe a year and a half. And they should be. This AEW has the best tag team division men around. But so many are in factions. And they're involved in the faction story. Instead of getting involved in their own story. And FTR. Yes. They're involved with the inner circle pinnacle story. But they don't have a story of their own. They're not telling a story of FTR versus LAX. Same thing with the the uh, private party. They're now with Hardy, what is it, financial office or whatever. But they're not in a story of their own. Whereas when you look at the Bullet Club or the Elite, whatever you want to call them. I can't help but call them the Bullet Club. The Good Brothers, they're in a story of their own. Now, it may be over in Impact and dragging over here some... But the Good Brothers still are involved in a story. The Young Bucks have the belts and are involved in stories. I think you've got to do that in your tag team division. Where are the best friends? And it's very obvious to me, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy will tag Occasionally, but they're not a tag team anymore. So let Luchasaurus be a singles wrestler. He can get into it with Lance Archer. And then I get to see them on my TV. Because I'm getting tired of these little run-ins by Lance Archer and Jake Cheering. We're finally going to see next week, this coming Wednesday, you know, Ricky Stark's has been medically cleared and is going to take on Brian Cage. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'll make my predictions later, so it may change. I have a funny feeling 
absolute Ricky Starks wins. But anyway, maybe make make changes. But anyway, um, the Inner Circle Pinnacle was what it was. It was a good match. I loved Warlow and Hager, but you knew how it was going to go, and honestly, it it was a good match, and it continues the story, and it made me happy, but yet it's not something that I really want to talk about here on the podcast because it wasn't exciting. At the time it was, it's not now, you know? Have you ever been around, you know, those kind of matches? Andrade. El Aldito? Is that how you say it? You guys need to write me in and actually explain how I'm supposed to say it. Because Vicky... I think says it perfectly. Tony and JR, um, not so much. They probably pronounced it as awful as I just did. So I'm just pretty much going to call him Andrade. Him taking on Matt Sedell, I thought was a little bit of a weird choice. I understand that Matt Sedell had recently cracked the top five. And maybe they have a history. I don't know. I didn't look into it. But their styles are nothing alike. Um, Their body builds, nothing alike. Um, Just thought it was weird for a first debut. On paper, yes, looks awesome. Andrade came in. In his debut, beat up a number five ranked guy. He is undefeated. Um, He still is the newest superstar and still has a shine to him. What did I not like? I love him running around in a suit. I hope he continues. I don't like him wrestling in a suit. I think that's stupid. Him taking his time, taking his jacket off and his shirt. I don't care. I don't think he's God's gift to the human population. So, I don't need to see that. He can keep that for Charlotte and off my TV. If you want to wrestle in suit pants and what did JR call them? Regular shoes or something. That's cool. Fine. I don't care. I don't like the production. I know he likes production. I like I know that he likes being in the spotlight. That's cool. Find a different way. This way, it sucks. And he was taking so much time. At one point, I said, I wish Sadell would beat him. 
I think it would be funny if he would lose in his debut. I know he's getting into it with Omega. I know that. Um, And that's fine. Do I want to see it? Probably. They'll tell a great story. And they have so many places they can go with it. I was kind of hoping he'd go after Miro. I think their styles are opposite yet similar. As far as them both being powerful. Just powerful in different ways. I also like that Miro can talk on the mic. I think that would have showed Vicky off and Andrade having learned way more English. But we're going to get Kenny Omega and Andrade. And you're like, really? Yeah, they're scheduled August 14th, Triple Mania, for the the Triple A Mega Heavyweight Championship, I think is what it is. August 14th, their main event, or co-main event, I should say. Um, I think Kenny loses that belt to him. And I think the following Wednesday, he shows up. Andrade wearing that belt and pissing Kenny Omega off. And I think their story starts. Um, It will shock me if in Mexico, at Triple Mania, their biggest event, that one of their biggest stars, Andrade, does not win. That place may riot. I don't know. Um, if he is not the biggest star and you consider Roosh to be or no I don't think anybody considers Bandito um I don't know I think it's between Andrade and Roosh um I think Andrade will be the favorite of all Mexican Latino fans by September or October. If not now. I think he is now, but if you don't consider him, I think he will definitely be by September or October. And I think him rising to power and getting that triple A belt, bringing it to AEW and pissing Kenny Omega off I think that's the start of a great story that takes you to full gear. Whether Kenny continues having the belt or not, I, the, I and I do mean the AEW belt, it doesn't matter. They can still tell a story between them about the AAA belt. And so I think that would be very good storytelling. Um, then we had the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Young Bucks, they had Michael Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler taking on Penta and Eddie. 
Um, guys, this let me down. And you're like, oh, no, no, I mean, it let me down for the simple fact it was a street fight. They didn't go to the street. They didn't even go into the crowd or the concourse. Um, they basically stayed in the ring. And that's what disappointed me. You know, they even made and said lines about it as far as, oh, you you don't know what the Bucks will do. They grew up on the mean streets of Cucamonga. Whatever. Then take it to the streets. Act like you're in a street fight. I just felt like, and maybe I've been watching too many death matches. Maybe that's it. I've been watching too much in indie stuff because I felt like this was tame, and I really, truly felt that Eddie Kingston and Penta would insist that this be a street fight that they had to put on a street fight. They're in Miami. They need to put on a street fight. And by that I mean. Kendo Stick should have came out. You know. Um, I know the thumbtacks come out. I know tables come out. And all that. But to me. It didn't feel like a street fight. Eddie Kingston wasn't hitting them in the body and in the face and slamming them into the rope and then as they come off the rope, hitting them again. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to actually see a street fight. I didn't feel like this was a fight. I felt like this was a wrestling match. It was a good wrestling match. But that's not how it was billed. That's not what I was expecting. I was expecting a fight. Now, whether it's the Bucks didn't want it, maybe Penta didn't want it, maybe Kingston didn't, I don't know. I know how awesome it was, though, to see Penta back in front of fans oh my god I did not realize how big of a part fans play in his character the fans react to any movement any motion he makes towards them and it got me pumped that over the years, you know, the three fingers down, they say his catchphrase, but there are times, <coughs> yes, I know he waves his arms, but there are times they start chanting his name just because he throws them a look. 
because he has that connection with their fans, the Lucha Bro fans, that he has built over years of being a heel, being a bad guy, doing, God, some of the things they've done, him and Ray Phoenix. But the fans still love him. And I hated the Good Brothers kind of getting involved. <coughs> However, the thing that I wrote down that I definitely wanted to mention, I absolutely loved. And many people didn't catch it. I talked to one of my friends on the phone. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a sign I've been talking to you too long. But I talked to one of my friends on the phone right after I watched it. And I said, I can't wait till next week. Oh my God. And he came back and said, you're really excited about that Darby Allen coffin match. And it kind of stopped me for a minute. And I was like, yes, yes, I am. That's not what I was talking about, but yeah. And he was like, oh, what are you talking about? And I said, Carl Anderson and John Moxley. He was like, what? I said, did you not hear? Carl Anderson challenged John Moxley for the IWGP Championship, United States Championship. And I heard dead silence, and he said, I don't even know that I know what that is. I said, remember you watched New Japan Strong there, I don't know, six weeks ago, two months ago? Remember when Kenta came to AEW? And he was like, yeah. I said, he came to get that belt. Oh, does Moxley still have that? And I wanted to reach through the phone and smack him in the head. It's like, um, yeah. He said, but why would Carl Anderson go after that belt? So I had to sit down. And explain to him. John Moxley. Part of New Japan. The Good Brothers. Part of New Japan. Japan is under a state of emergency. So they will not be making. uh, Any trips over there. Anytime in the near future. Tony Khan will not allow it. However. Both are on. The new season. Of New Japan Strong. Matter of fact. The Good Brothers are going to be. In their. I think they're calling it Tag Team Turmoil. Event. And they are. Going to be on New Japan Strong. He was like. Oh I didn't know that. Because you don't watch it. And you don't read on it. I said the least you could do. You could listen to my podcast. And I'll tell you. And he he just kind of started laughing. I said, but yes, um, 
John Moxley's still their United States champion. And since they're both in New Japan, and they're planning on going back to Japan when they're able to, why wouldn't Carl Anderson want that belt? And he was like, well, it's not really a tag team belt. And I said, in New Japan, yes, he tag teamed with Luke Gallows, Doc. But he was also a lot of a singles wrestler. Kenny Omega even brought it up when they were first going to Impact about the year that Carl Anderson had in 2012. I wasn't watching New Japan then regularly or anything. But I have since went back and watched some matches from that era and oh my god Carl Anderson is absolutely freaking unbelievable in 2012 I've seen a difference in him in the last six months since them doing AEW and Impact it's like he has a new passion a new fire lit in him he and John Moxley We'll put on the match of the night. As bad as I want the coffin match to be. I want I want that match to be a match of the year candidate. I would love nothing more for Ethan Page and Darby Allen to be up for match of the year candidate. I think people are not realizing that challenge happened. And they don't realize that match is possibility. It's John Moxley's return after having his first child. Well, I should say, Renee having his first child. He's got a brand new look. If you guys don't know, his beard is longer and he is bald. No hair. Mr. Clean. So is Crying. So, I think those two are brawlers, but they also have technique, and I think we're going to see the match of the night between those two for the IWGP United States Championship. And I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes about Carl Anderson, and then it's going to solidify. Well, John Moxley didn't skip a beat. Well, no. Guys, he's been attacking Nick Gage. Did you hear the story that Re- Renee, young Renee Paquet, uh, Renee Good said on her podcast and has said in interviews, they were literally... On the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. He went in the bedroom. Changed clothes. And she said, where are you going? And he said, I think I'm going to run to the store. And I need to check out some things. And she was like, okay. Be careful. Have fun. 
She said, I looked at him like he was crazy. She said, if I'd known what he was going to do, I would have known he was crazy. She said, he's been gone forever. She said, I didn't know whether to go out looking for him or what. I thought, well, maybe he's been in a wreck. She said she started talking to some of her friends. Well, one of her friends texted her or tweeted her the video. Moxley had found out Nick Gage, who he confronted and challenged and wanted to have a battle with at GCW's collective during WrestleMania week. He found out he was doing a meet and greet and signing autographs in Vegas. And Moxley decided to go. I'm sure he wanted to meet and greet Nick Gage. If you've seen the video, you know what happens. If you haven't, you look it up. And imagine Renee in her sweats, pregnant. Hanging out with her husband, having a good night, and he leaves, and all of a sudden one of her friends sends her the video that you are watching of him bursting in there and attacking Nick Gage. She said he come home, and she was like, where have you been? Did you have fun? And he was like, I had a hell of a time. And she said, yeah, I saw. And she said he had enough of husband in him to try to look sheepish. And he was like, yeah. And she said, you could have stayed on the couch. And he said, yeah, I could have. You know, and Renee accepts that side of him. This is his first match back. He, with fans, we're going to see John Moxley come through the fans. And it's going to be awesome. Well, guys, I guess I probably should let you go. I know this wasn't the normal review. The normal recap. I didn't tell you who used the right leg to kick somebody in the right side of their face. But you guys know, I think more of wrestling than that. I think that I wouldn't tell someone about the quarterback took a snap, took a five-step drop and shovel past it to the running back on the right side. I wouldn't talk about a football game like that. So why would I spend your time and my time talking about a wrestling match like that? I want to give you my thoughts, my feelings. But I want to know yours. Write me. Tell me, what did you think? What did you feel? Did you feel anything? 
We talked about that in an earlier episode. How wrestling makes you feel. And that's what connects you to it. Did this show make you feel? Write me and tell me. Guys, I will talk to you soon. And hopefully, I'll see you down the road. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.